Hello, folks. This is your host, Ellie Tascari, welcoming you to Faith Uncensored. Today, you will hear stories of real people who step by faith into the footprints of Jesus. Enjoy the show. folks and welcome to another episode of Faith Uncensored and uh, this is our first really interview that we have here um, on a Zoom style and I'm here with uh, my very special guest today. Her name is Caroline Filioli. Hi Caroline, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine, I'm great actually and so glad to have you on the show. It's a privilege Thank really to be here to with be you here. today. So uh, Caroline is the director of uh, Iris Global Ministry in uh, South Sudan and now Uganda. And yes. uh, can you give us a little bit of information of this ministry that you're part of? Um, Iris Global was founded by Heidi and Roland Baker. Uh, and their, most of their movement is in Mozambique right now. So Iris Global was founded, I think sometime back in 1985 or something by Ra Roland and Heidi Baker. And most of their ministry, it's based out of um, Mozambique. Um, she was called there, they were called there years ago. And so when I was a new Christian, I didn't get saved until 1998. Um, and I'm going to be 60 this year. I didn't get uh, born again until 1998. Uh, and when I did, I, got, I was really hungry. Um, I got radically saved out of a radical lifestyle of drinking and partying. And then I started running hard after God. And I couldn't get enough information. And so I was reading books, going to conferences, and that's how I found out about Iris. Um, they were in Africa. I'd never been to Africa. I'm retired military. So I, I traveled a bit, but not anywhere on the African continent. Um, and so I heard about all the miracles that were happening there, blind eyes open, deaf ears, people being raised from the dead. And so I was reading all these stories in the Bible and, and I said, I have to see this because I, mean, I this mm -hmm. is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus says. And so I want to go see it. I wasn't seeing it way back in, you know, in the early 2000s here in America, yes. like in my circle. So I went over there and saw the miracles. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is really true. This is this is really happening that the Bible It just came alive for me there. Um, <clears throat> and so when I came back, I'm, I was a teacher at a high school and I, I really didn't want to be a missionary because uh, I liked my life and I had a big youth group. So I had a big ministry going on here. I was happy. And it was during that year that the Lord started making me very uncomfortable where I was. All of a sudden, I hated my house. I didn't like my job anymore. I oh. felt very dissatisfied in, in America and I, I didn't know what was going on. And so I said, I'm going to go back to Africa for three weeks this time and, and just spend some time there and, and see what the Lord does. I was still teaching at the high school and I had a break and it was on that trip. And I, I was just, I felt like I was wrestling with God, like, uh, you know, in the Bible where, you know, uh, Jacob was wrestling with God. And so I, mm -hmm. um, The two days before my trip was going to end, I went to the garbage dumps in uh, Mozambique, in Maputo. Mm -hmm. And I had this experience on the garbage dump that <laughs> totally wrecked me. Um, yes, uh, I, I found I saw a dead the movie. baby. Yeah. yeah, I found a dead oh, baby in the wow. trash. And, and I, I'd never seen anything like that. And, and I just 
wow. was sobbing and um, I had to leave that baby there in the trash. I couldn't take it and bury it. And that was the hardest thing that I ever had yeah. to do. So it was at that point where I was just standing there like in shock. And the Lord spoke clearly to my spirit. You know, if, if you, this baby's death will not be in vain. If you say yes, I will give you so many children. And and right there and then in the garbage dump, I said yes. Um, and I came back home. I got rid of everything that I owned, yeah. sold everything, gave half the stuff away. And then I... So, so up to that moment, mm. so up to that moment, you were not... You were not interested in being a missionary. You you were okay. No, your life, I your life was good. What I was doing here. Yeah, I, I liked my ministry here. I had a youth group and I didn't want to go live in the dirt and be poor and be uncomfortable. Yeah, I didn't want to be uncomfortable. But I, actually, that happened anyways because you went back to America and you felt uncomfortable. You felt uncomfortable <laughs> in your house and then... You know, you didn't want to be uncomfortable, but you were uncomfortable in America in your house. So interesting how yeah. God turns things around, you know, and changes our hearts. Yes. Oh, that's Definitely. beautiful and very touching the experience that you had in the dump, you know, to find a baby like that, that was abandoned there and left to die. Yeah. I don't know if what would have happened if, if that wouldn't have happened. I don't know if I just don't know if I would have kept wrestling. It would have taken longer, but that was pivotal mm, yeah yeah i guess uh, something that changes your life you know to find find yourself in a situation like that and also you couldn't bury the baby which it was no. yeah terrible just continuing the abandonment even of and um wow wow so so you said that you so you went back home you gave your notice to your job to your you were a teacher right yes a high school so teacher. what happened my boss um i taught a military class at a high school and so there were three of us uh, instructors, and we were very close. And the, the kids that came through our program, it was a four-year program. And so we all knew each other really well. Uh, we knew each other. Like, I was single. They were married. I knew their wives. Uh, we were like family. And so when I told my boss, he goes, no. He goes, now you've really gone off the deep end. <laughs> because I used to make them so nervous. Uh, because in America, in the schools, you're not allowed to pray for kids. You're not allowed to talk about God. And I did it anyway. I didn't care. Um, I would be standing in my military uniform outside as they were marching. And a kid would come up and say, could you pray for me? And I, I would lay my hands on them right there in front of everyone driving by teachers i didn't care and i would pray for people and and the superintendent all everybody knew that i was the spiritual mom to these kids um and uh, so so you already had started something with children oh yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah and it's interesting you know we uh we always say we need to obey the, the the laws of the land that you live but i really believe you know you obey until it doesn't make sense it doesn't doesn't agree with the bible it doesn't agree with what god is calling us to do you know so you obey until <laughs> well yeah, you know in another episode for that saying, in the military we we used to have a saying it's easier to seek forgiveness than permission <laughs> so uh <-huh. laughs> it has to be done um and yeah i don't know if that that i'm sure that's made me who i am and how i was able to live in a war zone uh mm -hmm. go in front of government officials i just I just, I don't really have a fear of man. I just, hey, this needs to get done and I'm going to do it. And, you know, Amen. whatever. Yeah. 
disappointment comes, oh, God will take care of it. <laughs> yes, yes. So you, you also built you also built a trust in him that is, well, I saw the whole documentary, the whole movie, so I know some stuff, but I don't want to spoil <laughs> the story for the <laughs> listeners. So I'll, I'll let you talk again of what happened then. So you leave America or if you want to share more about that. So I went, um, I was a very confident person. I, like I said, had been to so many conferences and read so many Christian books. I had a spiritual mom. So I felt like, so when I went um, to Africa, I had to go to the Irish Global uh, Missionary School that they have there. It's called Harvest School. Uh, now, because of COVID and because there's a civil unrest in Mozambique, they, they're doing it differently. But back then, in, in 2009, we went to Mozambique for the school. And oh, wow. so when I got there, I thought, why do I need to go to this school? I already know how to pray. I know how to walk with God. Um, I'm ready just to get on the mission field. But I felt like I had to check the box. Um, mm -hmm. And then once I got there and started going through the school, oh, my gosh, the Lord just wrecked my heart. He wrecked all of us. We were just a puddle of crying, tears, broken, the stories oh. that Heidi would tell. We were just crying every day. And we would say, I can't take anymore. This is like intense. <laughs> you know? And then well, going to be with and loving on on hurting people it was just so so humbling like mm -hmm. humility came into me at that point because up until wow. then I was like ah and I still oh, am missionary now there's this humility underlying everything and so I remember the last day of school we were graduating and I knew for a fact that I was going into Sudan because the Lord told me you're going to Sudan. And at that time, I, I was like, I, where is Sudan? I had to look on a map. I found out they were in civil war. And I was like, no, you can't. No, this can't be God. Um, yeah. And if you watch my story, it was him. And so I remember standing there on graduation day and thinking, I, why are you even calling me God? Because I I don't have anything to offer. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm the least worthy person to go now and do this ministry um and i really heard him say now i can use you because <laughs> uh, i learned right from the start wow. it, was, it had nothing to do with my ability mm -hmm. or or my provision or what i was capable of that all he needed was my yes just my yes wow and so since that day i know that that he's committed to me that i'm committed to him uh -huh. and i'm committed to what he's called me to so he's very committed to me. Yeah, most of all, he's committed to you. Yeah, he's so wow. committed to me. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I just want to remind uh, listeners uh, that um, there is a documentary. I believe it, it's on Amazon Prime because I saw it there. But maybe also if you have Apple TV or you, you can Google it. It's called Walk With Me When War Comes to Close to You. Correct me. What's the exact name of the documentary? Uh, Walk With Me When War Comes to Your Door. Okay, walk with me when work comes to your door. And it's produced by Sandra Hicks. And the starting is actually Caroline. And she tells her story of what happened in South Sudan in just a few years ago. I mean, we're not talking about decades ago, just a, a few years ago. And uh, it's very touching. Please look it up. It's an amazing, amazing story. I thought I didn't have enough time to watch it. But when I started watching it, I was just glued to the TV. And, and it was beautiful. My children sit down with me to watch it. My 10-year-old 
daughter and my eight-year-old son, they sit down and they couldn't stop watching it and they asked me so many things. So it's good for you, it's good for your children to watch this. And uh, so really filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Sorry, I had to interrupt to say that because I don't want to say at the last minute. I just want to say it now. So um, go ahead. <laughs> um, and so then I um, got on a plane and, and when you sign up for harvest school, they always tell you come to the school and then go back home because we really want to be sure that this is what you want. Uh-huh. Uh, you're, you're not, you know, they don't assign you a mission. It, you're, we have the full freedom to pick the mission that God has put on our heart. And so we don't get assigned to a base. Uh, we have to hear from the Lord and go where he tells us to go. And those base leaders have to accept us or we start our own work um, mm-hmm. under Iris's name uh, with their permission and all of that. And so I knew um, that I was called to Sudan. And I'd even, there was a whole series of events that confirmed it that I was going to go there. Um, and so we pick at the end of our school, we get to pick a long-term mission trip where we go for two weeks um, and we have to pay for it all in advance and we go as a team. And so um, we always have a leader assigned from the, the Irish global leadership that's at the school that leads the teams. Uh, the fourth week of school, they came to me and said, would you lead the team? And so mm, they already, you were they the leader. <laughs> They already saw the leadership in me uh-huh. um, that I would be able to do this. They saw, I guess, my maturity. Um, I still had a lot of, you know, a long way to go. We're all still in, you know, in the process of, of mm-hmm. getting to the point where, you know, we won't ever be there until we get to heaven. But I was really surprised that they asked me to lead the team because uh, it's a really hard place, Sudan. And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I would love to. It was just a small group. There was only three of us. And so I went into Sudan and um, led the team and then said goodbye to the team and, and I stayed there. Ah, because they went back and you stayed. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I knew, you know, I, oh, and I had talked to the base leader while I was there for the two weeks, got to know her. Uh, Michelle Perry is the one who started the Iris South, what well, was Sudan at the time. They were still no peace agreement. They weren't their own nation. Uh, and so in the two weeks that I was there, she liked what she saw and she said, yeah, you're welcome to come uh, and be a part of our team. So, um, so I was there, but right, right when I was saying, getting ready to say, yes, I get to be Iris, you know, ministry, Sudan. I'm so excited. This is what I wanted. Uh, there was a group there, Samaritan's Purse. They're also very well known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, frankly. yeah, yeah. I know them. And so we used to go to their compound to use internet because we had nothing on our compound. We were sleeping in tents, actually. Wow. And so um, the guy that was the base director for Samaritan's Purse, he found out my story that I'd been the whole time I was in the military, I was doing finance, logistics, um, and their their finance guy was getting ready to leave. And he goes, oh, we could use you. I said, no, I don't want a job. I don't want to work in a ministry. I just want to love kids and sit with the poor. And so he said, would you pray about it? And I said, no, okay. I'm not going to pray because God is going to tell me to do it. No. <laughs> I said, okay, I would pray, but I didn't pray. <laughs> so, 
So he came the day the day before we were gonna leave uh, because I had to go back to Mozambique and get the rest of my luggage that I had left there on purpose um, because I wanted to go and do a, a couple more weeks down in the garbage dump area. Mm-hmm. And so he asked me, he goes, did you pray about it? And I went, uh, no. No. <laughs> and he goes, would you pre- just please just pray? That's all I'm asking you to do is pray about it. And so I said, okay, I will. And I meant it. And so I'm on the flight going back to get my luggage and I'm praying about it. And I heard the Lord say, you're to go with Samaritan's purse. Uh And I'm like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, well, then I'm only going to go for six months. And he goes, no, I want you to go for a year. And I was just like, Uh oh my gosh, what is going on here? This is not what I want. But I've always known that I, that I hear the Lord and I, and, 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 I know that I know that I hear him. And especially when he's telling me to do something I don't want to do, it's like, okay, this is him. And uh, and so I kind of, I said, they asked for my resume. And I said, I don't have it. It's in America and I'm not going back. So I have no resume. No You're not job. even fighting for the job, you know. <laughs> no, not fighting you for the me? job. And they said, fill out the application anyway. So I haphazardly filled it out. Um, the basics. <laughs> like, I'm really not going to try for this job. Uh, and anyway, so God said yes in, anyway. So. And, then, and then they called me the head office here in America, Franklin Graham's office. They called wow. me and they did an interview on the phone and hired me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this was the worst <laughs> interview I've ever me. done in my life. <laughs> yeah, they don't even know me and here I am. So I went, okay, fine. And so I wasn't happy. I went there and I was just like, ah. And so... But the long story short, six months after being there, um, we moved all of our operations up to the north, like close to the border to Darfur. And that's when I realized why God told me Samaritan's Purse. Um, I started, we, I had one day off, Sunday. Um, and so we would minister, me and two Kenyan guys, we would go and minister at some church on Sunday morning because my passion is ministry, not sitting at a desk. And so we went and we would preach at a church somewhere and the villages all around us. And then we would go into town and have lunch, which was like an hour drive away. And there were like two, three hundred street kids there just mm-hmm. living off the side of the road. And, and so they would go get their haircuts and I would just hang out with the street kids. Um, and oh. then the Lord really started touching my heart for these. And they were mostly boys. And so when my year was up, I left and I immediately, finally, I get to go to, to Iris. Um, and the Lord said, now you're going to come back up and do the street boy, work with the street boys. So I waited for a year and then I went up there. And that's when I met this little girl. Um, and she was part of our program. I can't say her name, but she, to protect our kids. Yes, but she yes. was part of the street ministry. She lived on the street. She had never lived in a house. She was 10 years old. Um, Filthy, filthy, dirty, um, skinny. Her hair is orange because of the lack of nutrition. And she just loved hanging out with me and one of my other missionary, the female. And it was all these boys. And so I found out later that some of the boys were selling her for sex. Uh-huh. Um, and so then I, I knew that, another long story short, I knew that my time was up after a year that I, 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 uh, I was asked to take over the children's home down in the South because something happened where the government 
told all of the missionaries that they had to leave. Um, wow. And when, when the government tells you you have to leave, you can't do anything about it. And so the base, the children's home was left abandoned. Wow. Um, even the founder had to leave. Um, she was told you everybody has to leave. And so I was the only Irish global missionary left in all of South Sudan. And you decided to stay because wasn't that I was up you? in the north. No, they didn't know about me. Ah, okay. God hid me. Wow. He knew. He knew everything that was going to happen. So he had me hidden in the north. So the government didn't even know I was there. And so that's when Rawling called me and he said, you're the only one left. So guess what? You're now the country director. And I was like, what? <laughs> you're the only one and you're in charge. You're in. <laughs> you are now Iris South Sudan. I was like, oh, my oh, God. Wow. Wow. What kind of promotion? But that what happens in war? You know, the soldiers get promoted. Well, to no, there, there wasn't a war yet. It was just pre-war. Yeah, no war. And so everything was great. We had just become a new nation. We were not even three years old yet. And so he said, you're now the director of Iris South Sudan. And would you go and take over this children's home? And I went, no, <laughs> I don't want to have a children's home. I just want to play with them, feed them, care for them, and then go to my own house at night. <laughs> You know, and have some quiet. Ah, yeah, and yeah. So yeah, then yeah. I was like, oh. So I prayed. You know, I always tell people the destiny that God has for you is everything that you never dreamed you ever wanted. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And 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 with my, I say like, I can't say no when God asks me. I can't. I can't say no. I've tried and I can't. Yeah, yeah and then everything come, becomes uncomfortable because you've were created for that. <laughs> You were created to fit that spot, you know? Dragging my feet and tired, wore out. I was a burnout missionary at that time. And so, but this thing is, is the reason I was with Samaritan's Purse was for this little girl. I got permission from the authorities up there to take her and bring her to our children's home. I so see. we basically saved her life. Oh, wow. So I always say that Samaritan's Purse happened for her. Wow. Just wow, for her. For one. She was the reason. Wow. That leaves, I had leaves the 99 and goes after yeah. the one. Perfect. She was the reason. And I tell her that all the time. You're the reason that I had to go up to a wheel. You are the only reason. Wow. And so she lives she with us. She became her now. mama. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, that was why I went up there. So then I went down um, and I said yes to God and dragging my feet again. <laughs> so... So I show up at this um, children's home and, and there's no missionaries there. I'm, it's just me, uh, a small staff. Uh, there's hardly any money in the bank. Um, and I don't have big donors because I didn't have this big ministry. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. A street and so I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And so I told Rollin Baker, I said, I'll do this, but you guys have to come up with the money. You have to be the fundraisers. And then Rollin told me, Heidi and I have never been fundraisers. That's God's area. Ah, <laughs> I, just, well, I see. What can I say to that? Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So I said, okay, <laughs> I'm so, I'm just, I'm just a yes, yes, sir. So, so I started to tell the Lord, I said, Lord, you're the one who asked me to come here. I, I didn't ask for a promotion of any kind. I didn't ask to be in charge of anything. I just said yes. And so you asked me to come. So you have to provide for us. You have to help us. You have to take care of us. 
And so I, I kind of, you know, I kind of held him to that. And, and it wasn't like in a rude way. It was just like, this is the real deal here. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. God didn't get offended, huh? <laughs> no. He came. <laughs> no, he's like, great, I got a yes. That's all I need. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of stuff. You just raise these kids up. You pray and you do. And uh-huh. Because I was still hugely involved in ministry. We were always doing outreaches. I taught the kids. We raised them up. I mean, they had been taught before I got there by some of the earliest missionaries how to pray, um, how to cast out demons. And so we just accelerated because now they're coming in, growing to be teenagers. And so, I'm, you know, we would take them every weekend on outreach to do marketplace ministry. And, and they would pray for lame people and they would get healed and um, just really incredible miracles. Um, and, and here I was still by myself. Um, well, three months after getting there, the war started, the Civil War. Three months after, right three away. Months, right away. And I just wow. went, oh, God, the war has started. I'm here by myself with 147 kids. Hmm. No missionaries. Hmm. And the roads shut down. So um, no supplies, no. No supplies, no food coming in. The town shut down. All of the humanitarian aid workers left the country, just got on planes and left. The, all of the missionaries in our little town, which weren't a whole lot, but all of them left. Everybody left. It was just me and one other guy. Only ones that I know of that were still in the country of South Sudan from America. Right. Yeah. And so I, I was like, okay. Um, shortly after the road shut down, I had a little bit of money. And so I, I told my, my finance lady, she's my best friend, she's Sudanese, uh, Betty. And I said, how much money do we have? Do we have enough to buy at least like a month's worth of beans and maize flour? Because those are our staples. And if we have those, then we'll just eat beans and maize flour for a month. That's fine. Um, and she said, yes, we do. And, and that was it. That was it. And so we bought a month's worth of supplies. And then my pastor came to me like that same day, the supplies were sitting there still. We hadn't put them away. They were, they were there. And he said, some refugees just came into town from the north. Civil War refugees running from the shooting and the, and the towns being burned in the north. And they have nowhere to go. And they're staying on the UN compound that just got deserted by the UN. They all left. And so they, they are staying in there because it has a fence. Because they're kind of like the enemy tribe. Ah, okay, the tribe okay, okay. is not from our, from our area. The war that was between the two tribes, they were the tribe from the north. And so they had no family, nobody in our part of the country. Um, not only so they were enemies, life, not only uh, they were enemies. Their lives were even in danger, but they didn't want any part of the fighting. They just wanted to be safe. And so they took a big risk coming to our part of the country. And so... My pastor said, we're, we're getting the churches together, trying to bring some food together so we can give it to them and they'll have something to eat. And I kind of looked at our supplies that we just bought and I said, and I said okay, we'll give them 10% because that's the tithe and God will honor that. Um, he'll, he says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouses so that my children will have food to eat. So let's do that. Immediately, immediately God is speaking again and he said, why don't you give them 90% of that and oh. see what my 10% will do for you? Oh, wow. And, okay, yeah. So you kept the 10% of the Lord, you kept it. 
Uh, he said, you keep the 10% and give away 90%. You wow. think my little tithe isn't going to keep you? And I just went, Pastor, we're going to give away 90% of this food <laughs> wow. that I'm hoarding. That I was hoarding, thinking, oh, we got to have this. I gave it away. And my wow. kids thought I lost my mind. Because I'd only been there three months and they are just like, you're crazy. <laughs> oh, they didn't trust you. They didn't know you yet. No, they they kind of did because remember I was there in the beginning when everybody left for about a year. So they knew me and they knew that I loved them. Uh-huh. And so they decided, well, we just trust you because I was already, I'd been raising them in the Lord and the year before I went up to the street boys, I had okay, a whole okay. year with them. And so every week I met with the teenagers on Wednesday and Friday nights. And so they, they knew my heart and they knew my faith walk. And, and that I had really strong faith um, and, and that I heard from the Lord. And so I, I called all the kids around. We loaded up the truck, we put hands on the truck, prayed for it, prayed for increase for these, these uh, refugees and for us. And then we just watched the truck leave the compound. Everybody Bye-bye. saying goodbye to our food. Um, wow. And then the miracles that came after that were just incredible. Just really incredible. Um, we have a, we get our water from a, a borehole. So it comes from an underground stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the dry season, the streams run low underwater, under the ground. And so people, their boreholes kind of start to trickle water. It's not gushing water like in the rainy season. Okay, okay. So we were in the dry season at that point. Um, and so I had uh, a couple of Sudanese guys come and repair it because we were finding rust in our water because they're made of steel pipes and they get rusted and get holes. Uh, and so we needed some repair done. So they came and repaired the pipes, replaced them, put it all back together. And then he came to me to get paid. And he said, almost yelling at me, he said, you need to use more water. You have too much water. Huh. And I'm thinking, it's the dry season. Why do we have too much water? Oh. <laughs> And so, you know, up until this time, I was closing the gate. Don't let the village women in because we don't want to run out of water. I mean, I'm new here. And so I went, open up the gates. Let the village oh. women in. <laughs> Everybody come and share water. So started my women's ministry for the next oh. three years. <laughs> Every Friday morning. Women at I had the well. Like, yeah. I had like 30 women that came to hear the gospel. Oh. Um, and we would give them food. I mean, we had food to give away for the next three years, like continuously. Um, we so, had goats. We had some little goats that only had ever had one little baby. Now they're having twins and triplets. Wow. And there's a scripture, Exodus 23, 25, and it says, worship the Lord your God and he will bless your food. He will bless your water. There will be no barren among you. And he will cause your enemies to turn their backs and flee the other way. Wow. And so we were living out Exodus 23, 25. Literally, no barren goats. Our chickens were laying so many eggs that the Sudanese women that worked for me said, the chickens are laying too many eggs. Too many. <laughs> Abounded. Not just bare a minimum. A lot of eggs, like 22, 23 eggs a week. Wow. And this chickens don't lay that many eggs. Wow. So, really like, wow. I am. This is, this all happened within like a month to two months of us giving away all our food. And so you, you had the goats, you had the, the water, water, the, the, and the then we, eggs. Planted our, we planted our maize crops 
And then when the rains came, they came with like a torrent, a downpour of rains. And the, the, the rain was so heavy that the soil was eroding away from the root of the, the maize corn crops and everybody's crops were falling over. Not on our compound. Standing <laughs> up straight, wow. strong, green, no soil eroding away. And we're just like, this is crazy. Wow. You just got a, a new way of tithing here. Give away your 90%. No. We gave 90%. <laughs> we're yeah, like, God is- has a pile on a thousand hills. What? Wow. Take this 90%. We just learn, give it all away. The Lord told me, he told me when I was still with the street boys, he kept telling me, don't hold tightly to the things of this world. And I was saying, I don't have anything to hold on to. I'm living in a tent with and taking care of street boys. I don't have anything, Lord. Why do you keep telling me this? And, and it was to prepare me to give away 90% and not hold tightly to the things of this wow. world. Because twice I've lost my entire compound. Twice now we've lost everything. Clothes, houses, vehicles, everything wow. lost because of war. And, and we live in a beautiful home now. We have a beautiful compound. People are giving money so we can build buildings. It's like it never, his excess, his provision never runs out ever he's committed to us wow. he's committed to his kids if you're his kid you know i've been preaching this week on on uh the fullness in ephesians uh chapter 1 verse 22 and 23 24 it says that the, the jesus is the head and we're the body and and he's the head of the church we're the body so we're the fullness that we should be walking in fullness all the yeah. time because yeah. he's the head we're the body we have everything that we need. And people just, they're afraid to believe that. Mm. And where we were, we had no choice but to believe it. There was no plan B. No yeah. one to help us. Mm. Wow. So, yeah. Unbelievable. But I believe. I believe. I don't want to say unbelievable because this is really happening. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, 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 Incredible. yeah. He still just amazes me. Every day, you know, before I get to speak, uh, like when right before you zoomed me in, I just sat there and closed my eyes and I said, thank you, God, for the privilege of telling your testimonies. It's mm-hmm. such a privilege to tell people how great our God is, how committed our Father is to us, how, I mean, Jesus was so committed that he gave his life. My. You know, there's a, uh, I don't know how much history, American history, it's not even American history. Julius Caesar, when he went to go take over Rome, um, they crossed this river called the Rubicon. And he waited for all of his troops to get across. And he mm-hmm. said, burn the bridge. Like he was committed. Yeah. And now he said, that's how committed I want to be. And, and now we use the word Rubicon as a word and it actually means irrevoc- irrevocably committed. Yeah. Like there's no turning back. No turning back. So, and that's me. That's, that's like, there's no turning back. Um, there's no coming back to America. There are people say, well, like, how long are you going to be there? I'm like, until the rapture or the Lord tells <laughs> Cons- me to go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm where I am and, and I follow his orders. He's my commander. Yes. He's my father, my, my bridegroom king. He's everything. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And, and also I, I heard you when, when I watched doc, watched the documentary, you're saying these are my children because yeah. they were saying send them to a um, refugee camp, but yeah. it was ridiculous a, because they were your children, as if you were a mother 
you know, biologically. Yeah, when I went to, I had to go to the capital city because we lost our compound because the war came to our, literally to our door. And so we were in a lot of danger where we were. And so we had no choice but to leave uh, or we would have just got shot. And so both flying every night, we're laying on our floor, afraid to go out. Um, and so we had to leave. And so when I went to the government and said, we we have nowhere to go, we're, we're sleeping on the floor in another person's compound. Um, there, and I have 120 kids now and, and we have nowhere to go. And, and so I went to the, I better not say who, because then I'm putting a bad name, but yeah. they were no help at all. I went to a humanitarian <laughs> big organization and said, can you help us? And they said, oh, we can, we can put the kids in an internally displaced refugee camp. And I'm like, over my dead body, because mm. I wouldn't be allowed to go with them. And horrible things happen in these camps. And I said, you'd have to shoot me first. And the lady looked at me like, and she wasn't Sudanese. These were foreigners. Yeah. And she just looked at me like, who is this woman? And I said, these are my kids. When I said yes to God, I meant it. I didn't say, oh, this is a part-time thing and just another mission. And when I get tired of this, I'll move on to something else. It's like, I committed to this. Mm. And so... They are now my children. I can't desert them. You know, yeah. how am I going to stand before God and say, well, we ran out of plans and had nowhere to go. So I just kind of dumped them in a refugee camp. And thank you for the honor of, you know, having them for three years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. No, no. Yeah. So it's all about, it's all about Jesus and what he wants, you know, and, and many times you're going to do things that you don't want to do, but, but. But even in that, there's there's so much fulfillment and so much because he's so worthy yeah. and you're like, I'll do anything for you. I'll do anything. And, and it was during that time of war and, and some of the places that we found ourselves in that for the first time, I knew that I would be able to say, I'll even die for these kids mm. and die for Jesus. I mean, there was a, a, a day that I was preaching to the armies of South Sudan. One third of the South Sudan armies was in our town, a huge wow. battalion. And and the Lord said, I want you to go preach to the soldiers. And I thought, what? <laughs> My military days were over. Um, we're like in the middle of a war here. Hello. You didn't <laughs> realize you that, didn't Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just, I knew to not go, no, I just went, okay. So I asked my pastor, do, do we know anybody in the, in the army over there? And he goes, well, they have a chaplain. Let me get a hold of them. And so the next day we're sitting in a brigadier general's office. Like this guy had all the stars. And, and he's like, what can I do for you? And I said, well, um, I was in the military for 30 years. So I, I feel like I know the heart of your men. And I just really want to come and encourage them. Um, I'm a pastor. And I just want to pray for your guys for protection. And I, and I just want to give them words that would encourage them through all of this. And he's like, you can come tomorrow. I was like, wow, wow three days from when God said go and it's happening. Wow. So when I got there the next day, here I'm in my little dress, looking all, you know, pastorish with my little Bible and the whole battalion standing there in their camouflage uniforms. There's machine guns on all four sides of us pointing to the bush. And I said, what are those guys for? And they're like, in case we get attacked, 
while you're preaching the gospel. Wow. And so I'm standing out on this open field Ooh. in the middle of war preaching. And my message to them that day was, blessed are the, are the peacemakers for they shall be known as the sons of God. Oh. And I just started talking about their identity as sons of God and that, that peace would come and they would be the peacemakers. And I don't know when it would come, but they would be known as the peacemakers. And then I said, I mean, I preached for a while. And then I said, and now I want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Wow, and, that's and bold. I know. And I said, <laughs> you don't have to close your eyes because I know we're like in the middle of this. <laughs> I said, just open your hand and receive. Uh, and I just started praying in tongues and just saying, Holy Spirit, fill them. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> and I remember standing there. Like I had my Bible lifted up and I was just so passionate about these guys knowing their identity. And I just thought, if this is the way I go out, this is Hallelujah. like, the best. <laughs> this is the best. And wow. so we had so many opportunities like that. And, and people don't realize that when at the, at the worst chaos and the hardest places, the greatest breakthroughs are going to come. I mean, if things were easy, why would you need breakthrough? Yeah. Breakthrough is not needed. And so we, it's like we went to all the hard places. I mean, there's so many stories of where God had called me to during this time of war um, and just the crazy stuff. And just us trying to get out, being the persistent widow. I mean, I had a team of missionaries at this time. And so we were all doing what, you know, our part to protect these kids. Um, but as the director, I had to be the one to go to the government offices. And three times I was threatened with arrest because they were so tired of seeing me in their offices. They thought the only way to keep me away would be to arrest me and put me in prison. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm not going to quit until I get what I want. We don't have a home and we just want to go to Uganda and go to school and be in a safe place. And, and so... You know, in the town that we were in, the governor got so tired of seeing me. He just said, here, here's a letter. Go to the capital city and go to the next level of government. Um, and so and that's how I I finally gained the release of these kids was constantly being in their offices, sitting quietly, praying for everyone along the way, being very humble, but being very persistent, um, setting my face like Flint, <laughs> like Jeremiah wow. says. Wow. And refusing to give up. And I just, and Heidi kept saying, you know, she was really good about staying connected to me, would call me. Um, and she said, if you don't quit, you win. And, and wow. I just kept saying, if you don't quit, don't I quit, win. You win. You know? And the Lord had told me, even at the beginning of that year, because we, all of us, we fast and pray four times a year with all the kids. And that year, he said, even the animals are going to fast because this is going to be a serious fast. And I had wow. no idea because hadn't escalated things were kind of calm and so we locked we kept our goats locked up our chickens and that new year's day we fasted all together wow. and that was when the lord told me this is going to be a year where you're going to need great faith and great trust look at look to me and i'll give you everything that you need and so i knew okay something's coming this year i don't know what it is and then in july july 9th was when all hell broke loose in the country wow things just went south really fast mm. so, okay yeah. wow so so this journey of yours you know it's a journey of great faith great miracles great if you don't if you don't quit you, 
no what was that what Heidi told you if you don't, if you don't quit, quit you win you win wow I, I need to write this down you know <laughs> I need to write it down it's amazing how God operated in your favor so so yeah. in the end you were able to get this permit to get the kids out of the country yeah we um we went to the highest office um Every door kept shutting in our face. We would get all the paperwork that they wanted. And then they would say, okay, now you need this. And, and uh -huh. the last thing was, now we need the permission from every single kid from a relative. And we're like, this is impossible because they're all in the camps in Uganda. And the, the whole phone system was shut down. Like all the, because the rebels would try to communicate with each other. So the government shut the phone system down. My. And so we're like, how are we going to do this? This is impossible. And so I told my team, I was like, we have, I don't know how we're going to do this. So, you know, the pastors, they all have a grapevine. Everybody knows somebody. Mm. And so within a week, within a week, because of our pastor calling people that he knew, able to get phone calls out, we got all one, a hundred kids, except for 10 of them. We got permission and the phone number from a relative. Like this was like impossible wow. under our own power. Only God could have orchestrated all of that to happen. And still they said no. And I'm just like, oh, oh. my gosh. And I, I was at the point where, okay, we're at the end. There's nothing more to do. We're at the end. And so then I said, I'm going to go to the president. If I have to go to Salvakir himself, I'm going to go to his office. And then I met this girl, a Sudanese lady, and her uncle, uh, without saying his name in the office, he's the highest position underneath the president. Hmm. Um, she said, that's my uncle. Let me call him and see if I can get you an appointment. This was our last hope. This was it. Um, and so... And we tried to leave with papers and we were turned back at the airport with guns in our faces. Wow. And so there was no way out. Wow. Except for a legal paper. And so I, I met with her uncle in his office in this big scary place. We call it the blue house. Everybody's afraid if you go in there, you're not coming out. Oh, wow. So you were daring <laughs> the lion den. Okay. Yes. I was in the lion's den and I was just like, okay, God, this is it. Um, I'm sitting in like the highest office next to the president. Mm. And so he was a really kind man. And he looked across this huge desk and he said, how can I help you? So I, I briefly told him our story, told him what happened. And he, he, he told me some things that I was really surprised that he would even tell me, um, which I can't mention. Yeah, it's, it's um, okay. Yeah. So I knew that, okay, this guy, he has a heart and he knows everything that's going on right now is not good. Um, and it, and so then he goes, who am I to stop these children from living a peaceful life and having an education? He said, when do you want to go? And I just looked at him tomorrow. And I said, are you serious? Uh, tomorrow, today. Um, and I just started crying. And he said, I said, when should I come back for the letter? Because everybody says, come back for the letter in two days, one day, a week. And he goes, oh, no, no, just sit right there. I'll have my secretary type it while you wait. And I, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Wow. So wow. I walked out of that office with the letter. He gave me his personal phone number and he said, there's not a single person in the country that can stop you from leaving. Nobody. Everybody knows my name. And I just was like, only God can do this. Yes. Like, how did I have access to this guy? 
Um, and we flew out on charter airplanes because all the roads were full of bandits, soldiers, rebels, um, and somebody that I didn't even know, it's in the movie, never met these people, heard about us, and paid for charter airplanes because that's that was the only way we were going to get out. We were on a little bush runway, little mm -hmm. dirt airstrip in the middle of like nowhere. Um, and so it, it was on a Sunday morning and, and I'd been in touch with the charter airlines over the last five months of trying to get these kids out because we had made two other attempts, threatened to be shot out of the sky. You better not take these kids. Wow. And so she's like, are you sure this time you're gonna get out? And I'm like, yes, I have the letter. Um, <laughs> and so we went ahead and she goes, well, did you have to do it on a Sunday? It's like too dangerous. There's nobody there and there's rebels all in the bush. Sunday's like the worst day. And I'm like, we just want to get out of here. We're doing it on Sunday and it's God's day. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes, it's the Lord's yes. day. And so it happened. Um, I wow. was in the capital city. I couldn't even be there to see my kids get on an airplane for the first time. Um, and it was so hard for me because I didn't know minute by minute are there soldiers in the bush are they going to come and put guns in our faces and stop us at the last minute and and i was just a wreck and my other missionary was texting me like every detail you know the, the first plane is, is landed the kids are loading the first plane is taking wow. off the first plane has just landed in uganda and i'm like i'm just crying i'm a wreck i'm pacing the office the second plane is coming back to South, coming back to South Sudan. The second plane has landed. Like details. The third plane, the last plane has just taken off. We're free. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. It was like the longest, hardest fight. And and it was like, oh, this whole burden just lifted off of my shoulders. And YWAM helped us on the other end, YWAM Uganda. And the director of YWAM filmed the last plane landing on the runway wow. with the last of my kids. Oh, it was incredible. It was just incredible how God just orchestrated every single detail of that whole journey. Um, and then I flew out two hours later from the capital city. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So you, you guys are now stationed in Uganda? Yes, yeah, we've been there. We're in a... And even that was crazy how that happened because we didn't know anybody in Uganda. Yeah, he just um, going to Uganda and and we're like, what do we do now? now yeah, but because... <laughs> somebody from YWAM in America heard about our story, um, and he contacted me somehow. Got my email maybe from Heidi or I don't know. And so he goes, my name is so and so, and he said I built a school in this town, and I know the the governor. So uh, he said, contact him. And so I was like, okay. So I contacted this guy even before we got out. I was like, we need a landing place because they want to know where you're going to live. And so I contacted this governor and he's like governor of this huge district. And um, he was like, yes, please come bring all your children. You're welcome here in our town. We have a school. They can go right into the school. Don't wow. worry about a place to live. They'll just come and join in. The semester is, the school year is almost finished. We hadn't been to school in a year. Wow. The school year is almost finished, but that's okay. He gave them free uniforms and put them right in school. Wow. Sent a letter so that I could give it to the people, the officials in South Sudan, saying we've been invited by this high up government official 
to come and live in his district. And so we had this, like all the government people working, um, and it was told later to me, it was prophesied over me, that the Lord has given you governmental favor, and it's not for, for such a time as this. You now have this governmental anointing, wow. and you will always have favor with the government. Wow. And, I'm, and now I, I believe it because incredible miracles happen even after we got on the other side. This crazy stuff that, that doesn't happen in real life. Man. I mean, no. <laughs> we, had no, we had no birth certificates. We had no passports. We had a little piece of paper saying you could come over. Wow. And it's like, we're here, but we're not refugees, but we don't have passports either. We're like foreigners, so we have to do something. So, so I called the, the Sudan embassy in Uganda and said, hi, we're here, and this is who we are, um, and we have nothing. And I showed them the letter from you know the high-up guy that uh -huh. gave us permission to come out, um, and immediately they, they shut down. They shut down the embassy immigration office for three days, brought all their equipment to our town, oh. made birth certificates wow. for all of our kids wow. in three days. Wow. And then it normally takes a year to get a passport. That's how slow it is. He said, if you pay for my guy's plane ticket, which was $300, he goes, he can take the papers and you'll have your passports in a week. Wow. We had our passports in a week. Passport and birth certificates for everybody. Passports and birth certificates for everybody in a week. Like how that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen in America. Only in three days you get that. Yeah. It's only I just look at this stuff and say, God, you're just, you're such a good father. You just take care of the kids. Wow. <laughs> take care of it. In reality, if you hope in God, you're going to get always better results. Even for do yeah. something regular, something not extraordinary. Even if you trust in God, it's gonna, the result is always going to be extraordinary. Man, but yeah, you guys. I always, say, I always say, you know, what is the alternative to faith? Fear and doubt. Yeah. Who wants that? Uh -huh. And I'm like, I don't want to go that route. It's too much. It's way harder to walk in doubt and faith than it is. I mean, doubt and fear than it is in faith. To me, it's a whole lot easier to walk in faith. Just put it all on God. Pray yeah. and yeah. do your part and trust uh -huh. that he's going to take care of the rest. Wow. And that's how I live every day. Every day. I mean, I have kids in college. I have 85 teenagers. Wow. 85. <laughs> They're all moving up to college, and, and I'm like, well, you know, if God wants them to go to college, they're going to go to college, Man. and so far, they're going to college. Praise <laughs> God. Praise God. Wow. <laughs> so so it's extraordinary. The story is true. I mean, wow. Wow. I need to watch the documentary again because uh, the more I hear it, the more, the more really my spirit is fed. And I did write a book that tells the whole story, too. Uh, I saw that you have something, though. I saw it on Amazon. Could that be you have some Yeah, book? it's called Reckless Love, Crazy Faith. Ah, okay. And okay. It, it's the whole, the three years of war, living in the war zone and all everything that God did. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And every, every, every bit of money from whatever country uh, for buying that book goes right back into the ministry. I don't get any of it. Can, I don't want any of it. Can you give us the, the, can you give us more information about given to your ministry please so we can uh we want also to post it um you can give uh you just have to be very careful you can give through irisglobal.org mm -hmm. but you have to be very specific and find our base iris uganda uh, iris uganda because they have a big 
when you open up their their page, it says give. But if you hit that, it goes just to Iris Global. So you have to you have to go and there's a way. Um, okay. So if you want, you can post my email and I can individually tell people how to give if they're interested, um, or they can go and just remember to find the Iris Uganda base. Okay. Uh, okay. And you can give PayPal. You can give on Venmo. People that want to give just quick. Uh, if you give through Iris Global, if you're in America, it's tax deductible. Um, we have a building fund, so I also have my own 501c3 that I use for all of the building money to come in. It's called Solomon's Porch Ministries. Uh huh. Okay. Named so, after my grandfather. So if we <laughs> we look into Solomon Porch Ministry, you have a website there. I don't have a website for Solomon's Porch Ministries because it's so new. So what I would do is. Just tell people to go to, um, on Facebook, it's Iris South Sudan on Facebook, or my name, Carolyn Figlioli, on Facebook. Um, or our website is uh, Iris South Sudan. Okay. So if they just go to the website, there's a feature that says, how can you give or how can you contribute, how can you help? And then it has the instructions on how to give through Iris Global. Okay, okay. So just tell it. We can't change it to Uganda, because uh, then you'd have to create a whole new, and you lose all of the South Sudan history. Ah, okay. So okay, we're okay. still calling ourselves Irish South Sudan. In fact, I was wondering. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One last fun fact about you: that your last name is Fili. I would say that in Italian with the Italian accent. Figlioli. Caroline Figlioli. Figlioli. Figlioli means um, children. Children. What a coincidence, right? <laughs> got it no fascinating okay listen so we're gonna conclude here the interview it was a pleasure honor to to talk to you and i really hope we will soon meet you in person because um yeah. really i need to hug you <laughs> and uh folks if you're listening here today you know you you heard how you can give to caroline filioli's um towards the, the ministry that she's leading and um And so, you know, you can follow her story and um, please look into the documentary that she has on Amazon Prime that is um, Walk With Me When War Comes to Your Door. And also she has a book on Amazon again. Uh, what's uh, the name of the book, Caroline, again? Reckless Love, Crazy Faith. Okay, so we have all these tools and uh, please uh, look into these things and uh support her support this ministry so important that's all from ellie here your host and caroline filioli you have a very good day thank you so much <laughs> bye bye bye